right. Welcome, everybody, to Knocking Down Diabetes with Accessible Pharmacy. Um, this is with ACBDA, American Council of Blind Diabetics in Action. And we have three panelists with us. Andy, who is one of the founders of Accessible Pharmacy, and Jason, who is the founder, and Alex, who is a blind person navigating the pharmacist pharmacy being blind. So Alex and these Alex, no, Andy has been with us before. And to just um, welcome you three and take it away. Awesome. Hey, everyone. This is Andy Burstein. Um, Jason just logged in. He was having problems logging in. So he logged in under me. So you'll see two people uh, named Andy Burstein here. I'm the real Andy Burstein. He's an imposter. Um, uh, you're on the, uh, also, so it's, it's Andy Burstein, Dr. Jason Barrett and Dr. Alice Cohen. So, uh, before we get started, uh, I just want to thank everyone for uh, joining us today. I wanted to thank Tom and Danette for inviting us and including us. Um, and thank you, Diane, uh, for hosting today as well. So, uh, I'm glad to see that there's a, there's a big turnout. Um, we're here in Philadelphia and, uh, what we figured we could do over the next, uh, hour, hour and 15 minutes is, is do a few things. I'm going to give a quick background about our company and share with everyone what we do for those of you who are not familiar with us. Um, I am uh, reviewing the attendee uh, list and I, I do recognize a few names. So hello, uh, people who we know. Um, Alex is going to give a, a little bit of a story. He's going to share his story about his own personal experience um, and his, uh, the research that he's done um, in this space. Um, and then we're going to hand the mic to Jason. Um, Jason has his doctorate in pharmacy. And we're going to encourage everyone to just like fire away questions and thoughts to Jason to really try to get an understanding of questions that you have about diabetes management, trends in diabetes care, um, diabetes devices, medication, insulin, solutions. Um, Jason knows what he's talking about. And uh, he enjoys stuff like this. So don't pull your punches. Just feel free to fire away questions at Jason. And, uh, and our hope is to have this be an interactive conversation. In the event that someone has a question and they're not comfortable sharing it in a public venue like this, please feel free to email us later. Uh, it's info, I-N-F-O, at accessiblepharmacy.com. So it's info at accessiblepharmacy.com. And uh, one of us will, will, will follow up with you uh, the next day or so and, and, and address your questions. So uh, once again, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, I'll kick things off. Uh, so for those of you who are not familiar with us, we are Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind. We are a home delivery pharmacy service and healthcare company. We specialize in patients who are blind Deaf, blind, and have low vision. Uh, we're the only provider of its kind. There's no other company that does what we do to work with individuals to help them manage their medication and manage their diabetes. We're the largest blind-owned healthcare company in the country. We think in the world, but we're not positive, so we're just going to stick to the country for the time being. Um, we we were, we're very fortunate. We we got started right in the beginning of the pandemic in April 2020. And obviously, none of us knew what was going to transpire, but you know, in retrospect, we all know what did, but we plowed through it. And fast forward to today, our, our company has grown. Uh, we now support patients in 34 states 
throughout the country, which includes DC and Puerto Rico. Um, we have about 65 collective employees uh, in different facets of our company. 25% of our employees are blind themselves. Um, and we're growing. And what's great about what we do is uh, the growth that we're experience is, experiencing is really uh, because of feedback that we get from our patients and from groups like this and from healthcare providers who, who give us feedback because we invite the feedback about what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and how we can be more accessible and what are the kinds of solutions we should be providing. And it takes all the guesswork out of you know, how we build our company. Um, basically, we're a patient-driven company and our patients are not only driving the growth of our company, they're driving the direction of our company. And we've been very fortunate and, uh, and, and it's very exciting and rewarding. So that being said, I'm going to stop speaking. I'm going to put myself on mute and I'm going to pass the virtual microphone to my business partner, Dr. Alex Cohen. Um, and he'll speak for a little bit. Well, thank you very much, Andy. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to be with everybody. Uh, again, my name is Alex Cohen, and I am a proud co-founder of Accessible Pharmacy Services, as well as uh, the Chief um, Marketing and Accessibility Officer. Um, so I myself, um, I am blind. I have uh, retinitis pigmentosa. And as my vision was deteriorating uh, quite rapidly, um, I decided to make a career change. And so I went in pursuit of uh, my doctorate in marketing. And while in my doctoral program and, and, and since that time period, since my graduation, all of my research has been about creating a more inclusive marketplace for people with disabilities, uh, more specifically for the blind and low vision community of, of which I am a part. Um, and so where my research had taken me initially was looking into website accessibility. And so uh, over a five-year time period, we, uh, I evaluated uh, hundreds and hundreds of, of different websites over time uh, to quantify the accessibility uh, and measure the accessibility. And what we found was that uh, most of the marketplace was um, hopelessly inaccessible, unfortunately. But more specifically, uh, looking at uh, pharmacies, you know, drugstores, whether those were uh, standalone drugstores or in big box uh, retailers or, or grocery stores, um, just basic information about pharmacy through a website was not accessible. And so like most good researchers, when you find a good research topic, we, we dig further, dig deeper. And so started asking questions uh, directly to the pharmacies about, okay, um, what do you do uh, when somebody is blind or low vision? What type of accommodations do you have? And we would typically get one of three uh, different answers. The first answer was, well, we don't, we don't really have much. Okay, that's a lousy answer, but it's still an answer. Uh, the second is, well, we could print out the labels bigger and uh, maybe that could help. Okay, well, in certain low vision situations, maybe that could help. Um, and then the third and, and best uh, option was, you know, well, I think we have something somewhere that might uh, read labels to blind people. I can't remember what it's called, but I, I, I have to look into it. I have to get back to it. Um, so that was, that was really it. Um, and so from that initial 
research. Uh, you know, coming together with Andy and coming together with uh, Jason, realized you know there is really a, a gap between the services people are receiving currently and what they should be receiving. And what where our focus lies on alleviating all of the accessibility barriers and challenges that exist in the marketplace. Now, this could be anywhere, starting at you know, just looking for information and having a, a website be inaccessible, or having um, uh, a phone number where you just get uh, stuck in uh, robotic uh, voicemail hell and can never actually talk to a live person. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you. It's pretty difficult for me to type in a bunch of uh, long numbers into my my smartphone. It's 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 uh, really quite a hassle. Uh, as well as you know, just trying to speak to somebody on the other end of the phone who doesn't understand uh, the questions I'm asking or what I'm going through. Um, so, well, clearly, if you pick up the bottle and you peel off the uh, the red tab and turn it, like uh, clearly, I don't see much any. So, I'm going to need a little bit more sensitivity and direction and instruction than I think what you might be able to provide me here. But you know, talking to knowledgeable people who really understand what the person is going through on the other uh, end of the phone. Then there's also um, the the consumption phase of uh, receiving. Uh, medications and items and, and things might not be necessarily clear. So trying to make those as accessible as possible by offering a variety of different uh, labeling systems or, or different uh, means to uh, organize and um, uh, manage one's medication uh, based on the individual patient. Um, and continual follow-up to see how we can improve, how we can make things more accessible. Um, the key to accessibility is understanding that it's a moving target. It's always progressing. You're never done. You know, there are so many different companies. Now, I do want to say that any, anybody who takes a step towards accessibility, um, that's positive. Uh, that, that is absolutely positive, and we should, we should agree upon that. But, for example, if the best you have is an app that might read uh, a label, to a blind person through a smartphone, um, there's so much more to the entire experience than just that. You can't just, you know, look at one particular point in the uh, entire transaction consumption medication management process and say, like, bingo, we made that part accessible. We're awesome and we're done. It's not like that. It's an ongoing, continual um, research, continual event talking to our patients and understand that each one of our patients is individual and have individual and unique needs and need their own, um, you know, unique and individual medication management regime. And that's where uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Jason Barrett comes in, the chief medical officer and again, proud co-founder of Accessible Pharmacy Services that I'm happy and proud to call uh, my partner. Thanks, Alex. Um, so I want to again 
take the time to thank everybody for providing us with this forum and the opportunity to speak to all of you and have sort of a brief discussion from a, um, I guess what I would call a logistical and clinical perspective as to what exactly we do and how we go about helping patients in the blind and low vision community with diabetes. So the one thing that we're very passionate about is that we have received a very personal and what I would call diverse education in the understanding of patients with varying um, vision. So, you know, we really go by what I would call three or four pillars in terms of how we go about helping patients. And the first one is really based on understanding, understanding of the challenges, the circumstances, and the conditions by which all patients are sort of interfacing with their the medical community, but also how they're handling their diabetes. And that understanding has led to an internal training mechanism of our professionals, those that contact and speak to patients, those that would provide guidance and uh, education or otherwise, and those that would um, adjudicate the prescriptions themselves and then the logistics of shipping and delivering the medications to patients. So the first pillar would be how we have come to understand the community, how we have assimilated um, I'll just use the word a vast library of information pertaining to patients and then use that information to train our staff and really create a level of proficiency so that um, there is a sense of understanding. After that information has been gathered, we then took upon ourselves to create a training mechanism and education system for patients in the community to understand better the medications, the rationale behind testing and the utilization of drugs as well as testing for diabetes and provide that guidance and that resource at all times. So we have the education part for us, the training mechanism within our system, and then the platform that we provide for patients. The third thing is a very robust clinical pharmacy package because frankly, being inclusive and and having sort of the accessibility that we do have has been fantastic. But Once that point gets to us interfacing with the patients, we also want to be able to be a stronger clinical resource for them, interact with their prescribers, communicate between prescribers to make sure there's no interactions and unnecessary utilization of drugs, reduce the load of medications on the patient, and then help them better um, utilize their drugs and have more confidence. And the fourth part is interface with the insurance system, the managed care environment. So if patients have the opportunity to choose their own insurance, we can provide guidance for them uh, utilizing the data from the prescription drug file and then let them pick the programs that they're eligible for that best suits their needs. So in, in, in total, the sum that we have brought is really about reducing the burden on the patient as an individual because it's a lot. It's a lot to be a diabetic. It's a lot to manage your diabetes. It's even more difficult if there's a lack of resources and an accessibility universe and a non-inclusive environment. So facilitating accessibility and inclusivity is a very, very important thing. And that's all designed to bring about better outcomes for patients, a reduced burden of care, and improved quality of life. So basically, we've sort of addressed the notion that this is a specialized population. We have to train our people appropriately to understand and, and and be able to help those folks create a platform that is both inclusive and accessible. And then from there, provide really sound and solid education, training, distribution, and reduction of burden. So this is the opportunity for people on this phone 
to think about some things as it pertains to diabetes or otherwise that they'd like to bring forward and allow me to help you in some way. So if there's anybody right now who has any specific questions, concerns, or if you just want to sort of talk about an experience that you've had or a challenge, please feel free, bring it forward. And I'll be happy to do my best to give you any possible help that I can. And this is Andy speaking. I just want to interject and punctuate that. Um, both of my business partners are very modest. Alex is arguably the foremost expert in retail accessibility for blind consumers in America. And Jason is arguably the foremost expert when it comes to blindness and diabetes and identifying solutions, personalized medication solutions for individuals who are blind, deaf, blind, and low vision, and specifically solutions for managing diabetes. So feel free to fire your questions away. And uh, I'm going to mute myself again and, and let uh, my business so, partner speak. So this is Danette. And let's start off here in the room. And I'll be the first question. <clears throat> so my question would be, OK, I am thousands of thousands of miles away from home. And yours truly forgets her, like one of her meds. Would you be able to like send it like overnight? Sure. Um, uh, to be frank, that's kind of how we manage um, patients in general. So you know, what we try to do is create, um, I, I guess what I would call an experience for you in terms of how your medications are distributed or otherwise, so that we understand where you are in a given moment. And here's what I mean by that. We create a monthly distribution of your medications in your chosen packaging. So whether your packaging be bottles with large font, uh, a talking label, or a um, disposable pill planner, which would be seven days worth of medications, or a sachet similar to what you have in pill pack, we know what you like. We know it best suits your needs. We know when your medications are due. We know where you are in the universe. If at any given moment you find yourself in a place, time, or otherwise, where you are without your medications, we understand everything about wh wh what you're getting, and we can get you your meds in very short order. It, you know, As long as you're not on a cruise ship, or one of those spaceships that all those billionaires have, we most likely can get it to you the next day if you call us at a reasonable point in time. And then we'll pick up your distribution with your regular meds once you've exhausted the ones that you have and bill your insurance when they're due. So in terms of, um, I guess what I would call an emergent necessity, we can absolutely facilitate that for you. But we understand, more importantly, everything that's going on. We know when drugs are due. We know where your refills are. We've called the doctor to back up your drugs. We have your packaging and labeling choices all cataloged so that if, if you said, guys, I had a business trip, I jumped on a plane, train or otherwise, I left my meds. What can you do for me? We can have your meds there the next day, as long as you're calling us at a time when we can get the, you know, the big carriers to get it there. Awesome. So if I forgot like my next sensor, would you be able to send that overnight? Dexcom was able, well, supposed to be at the hotel desk today. <clears throat> would you have been able to do that? Yeah, so, so to be frank, what we, would, what we would hope is that we would have a relationship so that we would know. So your sensors would either be in your hand or loaded for the next distribution. And if you're going to be in a different place or for some reason you're without yours, we know what you need. We have it waiting for you. And we can just change the place of distribution from your home to that hotel or wherever you're staying and then pick up your regular distribution when you get back. So absolutely, it's a testing device or medication, or an entire pack of drugs, or, or otherwise, we can absolutely facilitate that. We're, we're limited only by what the carriers can do in terms of when and where. So it's been very, very rare that we haven't been able to do that. We've had patients in Alaska. That's a little bit of a challenge. 
um, yeah. that we can almost always make that happen. It's Viola, and um, I have a friend who has been diabetic since 2009 and is on medication, never been on insulin, type 2. And, of course, we have the Medicare issue because she would like to get the uh, either the Libre or the Dexcom, and, of course, you can't. Um, can you tell me again what the, that form was that they mentioned yesterday that you need to get to be able to get your doctor to have that? Um, the reason I had, I think she had a prodigy, I think, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure. I, she's like a lot of other blind people and you spend maybe three or four strips to try to get the blood on the, into the machine and all of that. And those those strips are expensive. So, um, any, any suggestions? Sure. Let me start. Um, so, so what you're basically speaking about is continuous glucose monitors. And we frankly are huge advocates of the use of continuous glucose monitors. And that's, that's for all patients, but really in the blind and low vision community, I don't know of a better way. Um, I, I, I'm going to have an opinion discussion right now. I don't understand any potential, I guess what I would call obstacle to getting patients in our community, these products, because if there was a specific group of individuals who are most suited or most need continuous glucose monitors, it is the blind and low vision for just what you said, because the process of pricking your finger, getting the blood on a strip, not, um, you know, not contaminating the strip and getting a false reading, it's difficult for me and I have fair vision. Um, so the, the continual glucose monitors mean very much to us. We are working in two or three different capacities. One, we're in direct cont- con- we're contact with Medicare to find a mechanism to do this in an orderly fashion so that the patients can get the override that they need. We work with the prescribers. We're tenacious about this. We're also in contact with the manufacturers of both products constantly. I clenched my jaw when I said that because there's a different person that we speak to very frequently. We're trying to get what I would call a direct connection to them. And what I'm trying to do with that is, is, is find a way to get them to provide these devices and machines to patients um, in a way that's more affordable. And then the third thing is that we're working with state programs, specifically the states that we have the highest connectivity level to, I guess what I would call, reach into the COFRs and go around Medicare as it pertains to this. So um, getting off of the basic opinion as to what I'll say with the need for these, the preference for them. We've done a lot of work. We understand the utilization of the devices. We train patients on them. We can provide all the education. In terms of the payment, we'll work directly with the prescribers to get all the necessary documentation or otherwise to send to Medicare. We find that if the patient is being cared for by an MCO or managed care organization that is um, acting as liaison for Medicare, we have more open channels. When it's a direct bill to Medicare, it becomes more difficult, but we still have that mechanism and there are overrides and processes that go to get this taken care of. Prodigy is a great device too, um, but to be completely honest, the continual glucose monitors are more um, appropriate for patients in the blind and low vision community. So this becomes a very personal experience when you engage us. And what we basically do is take we, we, we take responsibility at that point to become your advocate with the manufacturers, with Medicare, and with your insurance company. And we speak to your doctor directly and facilitate anything we can. This is not, how can I put this to you? There's no magic bullet for this. You know what I mean? There's no kryptonite. There is no silver bullet and no wooden stake to kill the monster. What there really is, is an aggressive 
and tenacious campaign to get the product to you. Um, and to be honest, I will call the manufacturer up and I will just completely wait, wait on them until they get one to a patient. That, so, are you uh, with Washington State? You know, if, I think so. Andy, do you know off the top of your head if we're licensed in Washington? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, licensed in yeah. Washington. yeah I'm pretty sure we're licensed in Washington. Yes. Awesome. Then I will be contacting you. Maybe I can talk her into contacting you directly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was too shy to talk here. So, okay. I, Apologize for not knowing that off my head because I, you know, I have to think through Washington D.C. and Washington State. But um, having said that, we will absolutely take up the, tro- the, the cause. Yeah. Also, as, as I just a- checked. We are licensed in Washington. Yes. Yeah. As long as you can provide us with a little bit of time, because there are many, many things that act like a light switch. For some reason, this continual glucose monitor is not one of them. I don't completely understand it. To be very frank, the cost basis for these products, um, the Dexcom is extraordinary, but the Libre is not. I don't understand why it's such a challenge. It's such a simple thing to, to, for, for me as a clinician to say, this is absolutely most appropriate, but we'd be happy to put, take the calls up. We'd be happy to go to work for her. Thank that you. would be great. This person is a musician, so does not like pricking her fingers. So thank you. Makes no sense. If she's working a bow or a piano or something like that, it's, it's insane for her to prick her fingers. Thank you, Biola. Okay, next we have Sharon Strokowski. Hi, Sharon. Good afternoon. Hello. Um, I actually spoke with Accessible Pharmacy once before, and I kind of forgot what you said to me. Um, I'm in Massachusetts, and I know you serve here. Um, I'm not a diabetic. Um, I'm on a Medicare Advantage plan, and I'm not terrifically unhappy with what I have as far as pharmacy, but there are times when they text me uh, and say, do you want to refill a, a number, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking about making a switch. Um, they provide medications on a three month basis. And I think you do it on a monthly basis. Is that right? Well, it's not whether it's on a monthly basis, it's, it's what the insurance program dictates. Well, well allow. okay. So the other question is, are your prices generally comparable to uh, a big organization? I'm with Silver Script. Um, what do you call it? CBS Caremark. So, so, so Silver Script is an insurance program owned by a drug chain. Yeah. So you do not have the right to price the drugs. They dictate the price. So uh, we always accept the, the I guess, the, um, how can I put this to you, the contract that they offer. But they are always going to try to direct you to a pharmacy that they own. Wow. So really not about us being able to price something or choose a price for you or us, you know, offering something to you. We don't have a choice in the pricing structure because you're with a program that is owned, but owns drugstores. They will always be difficult for you to go to somewhere other than their drugstore. So if we were to bill for your prescriptions and say, look, it's a $10 copay, that's not the price that we're choosing for. It's the price that they are you because that's the insurance that you've chosen. Right. Well, so, I could still basically have the same medications at the same whatever price uh, they would charge. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. also, this is Andy speaking. Let me just add to that. Like, we don't charge for our delivery for any of our accessible packaging or for yeah. any of our accessible labeling, including Braille. So it's just included okay. in the package. Okay. I, so the resources- you, I use the Script Talk app. app oh, okay. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The other question I would have one of the issues I have with them is that. Um, 
I don't seem to get all the medications at the same time. Like, and when it's time to renew, I have to go to the, to the, my doctor and say, you need to do another prescription. Is that something that you manage? A hundred percent. So okay. what you're, what you're really talking about is something that we call active refill management. Yeah. And basically, okay. let's five to seven drugs and they happen to become due at different times. The, the world is not perfect in terms of prescription and, 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 it will never happen where a prescriber sort of like, um, how's, what's the right word, writes for all the drugs on one. Like you don't get to have a blood pressure issue, a cholesterol issue, a diabetic issue, an arthritis all at the same time. So, right, right. you know, and, and, and refills sort of flow in, I guess, sort of a rhythm. But what we try to do is, is manage your platform, provide labeling and packaging, and then continuity between prescribers between prescriptions and refills. We take that away. So our system will, at 90 days prior to the exhaustion of any uh, current prescription, begin to send a digital reminder to the prescriber to update the prescription. Oh, great. Okay. So in order for me to switch then, I would need initially to talk with my doctor and SilverScript, I would guess, right? Nope. 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 We do everything for you. Oh, you will function in a concierge capacity. Just call us and we'll do all the work for you. Oh, gosh. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So just just sort of, in, sort of in closing, we will always provide for you medications at the lowest price that we're allowed. True. The contract you're offered is specific by the insurance company. Insurance companies that own pharmacies will want to direct you to their pharmacies because that's how they make the most money. The resources and the service platform that they offer are nothing similar to what we do because we do have the largest array of uh, labeling and packaging designed specifically for patients in the blind and low vision community. But what I would say, and what Andy said, is the concierge event that happens as a matter of course with continual, um, you know, refill management, contacting your prescribers, and everything else is something that is no charge. And 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 we hope that all of the value add that I, I just provided and and spoke about will make the difference if there happens to be a difference in a copay because of what your insurance chooses, not what we choose. So really, we've done an awful lot to bring people into the community. But I think if you're in a Medicare Advantage and it's a Medicare and if there's any kind of Medicaid or assistance or otherwise, and, and, and we'll take a look at your program, you may find that there is no dollar value difference. Um, right. In terms of like large supplies or small supplies, I always try to tell people, be weary of large or too much drug on hand. And the reason I say that is because it's yeah. anything happens with a change or otherwise, you have to throw those away. And that's not great for anything. The other thing is that if for some reason they're, they're, they're dropped, lost or otherwise, now you have 90 days, potentially thousands of dollars worth of drugs sitting on your floor. Um, and that's why we sort of encourage packaging that's a little bit um, more organized because it's less likely to happen. And even, you know, we've used script talk and other talking labels on large um, medication planners. And we'd be happy to provide you a sample of what that would look like and get a feel for it and see if it's something that might make sense. Because if you're taking four or five drugs a day, it just is easier not to open up four or five bottles and have it touch the script talk device or other ones. And we support script talk. We love it. But there might be something that's better for you that you haven't seen yet because no one's offered it to you. But we'd be happy to have everything. Thank you so much. Uh, next is Sue Ellen. Now, you don't have to be a diabetic to use your services. Am I correct in understanding that? 
A hundred percent. Today's discussions about diabetes, and to be completely honest, it is it is a mountain to climb. So we have a particular, I guess what I would call attention to it because it is so difficult. But I would say probably half of our patients are not diabetic. They, they have other issues. They get eye drops, they get blood pressure, cholesterol, drugs, or otherwise. So no, you don't need to have diabetes. If you do, we're happy to help. But if you're not, there's plenty we can do for you. Excellent. Excellent. Perfect. That's my question. Yes, my name is Michael. Um, are you licensed in the state of Oregon? I believe we are licensed in Oregon. Okay, uh, next is Kathy Dawson. Are you, are you licensed in Kansas, and do you send insulin, and uh, I'm on Ozempic, do you send them through the mail, and how do I get started? So we are, we are not licensed in Kansas. We're licensed in Missouri, and Kansas is coming soon. We're, it's, it's pending approval. How can but, we, can we find, can you let us know when you're, uh, licensed in Kansas? What I would suggest you do is call us up and, and provide us your contact information, your insurance or otherwise, um, and we will immediately contact you when the license comes through, for sure. And we can certainly provide some distribution for you um, with insulin or other products that require cold chain protection. So say you have arthritis, do you have a special kind of packaging or something to make it easier for like arthritic hands, arthritic hands to open your, your daily pill thing? We do. And we would provide samples of those. Um, the seven day disposable pill organizer, um, at four different that bubble, the back of them is a soft perforated paper and we would give you something called a pill bob. And a pill bob is a plastic cup with teeth that stick out of the edge. By just rubbing that up against the pack without really clinching it tightly in your hand, the pills will drop into the pill bob or the cup, and then you can turn it over into your hands. That's a very easy and, and, and arthritis-friendly mechanism. The other beautiful part about it is that we can hold up to 10 or like eight to 10 pills in each one of those vacuoles. So if you're taking a lot of drugs at at a single moment, they'll all come out at one time. And we can work through the Be My Eyes application to train you on those packs, send you you a sample of it or send you your meds that way. And then just simply call Be My Eyes and one of our people will walk you through what you're feeling um, and make it relatively easy. We also have the easy off bottles, if that's something that you choose. I find that most people can do that without a lot of trouble, but there's certainly more than one way um, to address this. And the the packaging that I talked about is very, very friendly for people that have arthritic issues. Yeah, and this is this is Andy speaking, just to build on that. Um, it's something we're working on right now. It's not going to be ready until the fall, winter, but we're working on a project with Temple University, their disability studies program to develop packaging specifically for patients with uh, spinal cord injuries. So just to take it to an extreme, you know, Alex touched on this. It's like, it's the ongoing pursuit of accessibility. We're literally just scratching the surface and feedback that we get from patients, like the question you just asked, like, Hey, how do we make packaging more easily, easier to open um, sets us in motion to figure out, you know, how do we achieve those goals? So right now we're working on two packages in particular, specifically designed for people with extreme limitations uh, of mobility and dexterity. And, and the reality is, is that uh, diabetes, accessibility, all of these, um, I guess what I would call circumstances, are in fact a dynamic process that involves w- what I would say um, 
you know, the need to continue to sort of keep the game moving forward. And we do that. We do do that. So that it's, it's, it's important um, for us to, to understand that. And, and for our clients to also know that we never really stop learning and developing so that, so that, you know, the, um, the initiative that Andy's talking about is kind of the next step. And the idea that you, you could combine accessible labeling with packaging that is sort of very, very specific to patients with extreme um, disabilities is very exciting. Okay. Melena um, Vanderwall. I was wondering if accessible pharmacy is licensed in Michigan. I, I apologize. Andy, do you have the map? No, we are not licensed in Michigan yet. But Michigan, okay. Michigan is pending because we did submit um, we did submit something to them recently. Michigan is a process, and during the pandemic, they, um, I guess what I would call uh, slowed acceptance of new state pharmacies, but we're, we, we will be soon. Yeah. Our web, okay. by the way, on our website, there's a tab called uh, Service Area. Um, our website's accessiblepharmacy.com. It's a screen reader-friendly website, and it lists on there all of the uh, current locations, states where we're licensed, including D.C. and Puerto Rico, as well as the ones that are pending. Thank you, because I always ask that every time I uh, hear you guys. So thank you for that update. You're welcome. And, and the one that I will say is that it, it, even if we're not licensed in your state, we're getting licensed in your state. Uh, we set out to get licensed in all 50 states just as the pandemic. I guess the unfortunate reality is that a lot of states and and, and um, municipalities slowed down and still are working remotely. So it's, it's, you know, we're, we're in, I think, is it 35 states right now? I think Andy, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're three quarters of the way through. Um, but you know, inevitably it will be the one that somebody wants on the phone that we're not, but we are getting there. Please do not hesitate to call. We will let you know the minute that the licensure goes through. Thank you so much. And I just want to share a really quick story and give a shout out to the Missouri Council of the Blind. You know, we, we have a, a story that we like to tell in our office, uh, a great success story. So the process for getting licensed in individual states, in order to deliver controlled substances into a state, the state pharmacy board needs to give us that permission. And so for the most part, every state that we've applied to that we, we have never been rejected. A lot of them are still pending. There was one state that rejected us. And that was the state of Missouri. And their reason for rejecting us, they sent us a, a letter saying, you know, thank you for your application. By the way, they, they cashed our application fee, but they cashed our application fee. They sent a letter back. Thank you. But we have providers in state who can provide the exact same services that you do. And so um, we had spoken to a few people on the executive board of the Missouri Council for the Blind. So we reached out to them and we let them know the, the bad news. Um, and they said, you know, they encouraged us to resubmit it, try again. So we resubmitted a letter and we explained, listen, let me explain to us, let me explain to you what we do and how we support our patients and how our patient base is unique in how they, they, they uh, you know, ex- experience medication management. Um, they rejected us a second time and they said, this will be the last correspondence. Feel free to apply again in 12 months. So we went back to the Missouri Council of the Blind. And uh, there were a few champions there that actually went to bat for us um, and advocated for us at the state level to let them know that there is nothing else in the state of Missouri. There are no other providers who could do this. Um, and within a week, we were approved. And so uh, it was a perfect example of us collaborating with, 
you know, a community, uh, the blind community in Missouri to actually advocate for, for the individuals, for the patients themselves and to advocate for us. And um, now we have a great relationship with a multitude of patients and organizations in Missouri. And it's a perfect example of us, you know, as a community, like, you know, being a squeaky wheel and advocating for ourselves. So I just want to share that quick story. And if anyone here is from Missouri, um, make sure you compliment your executive board because uh, they work hard for you. What if you have vitamins that you want, like also in a package, they take daily vitamins? Fantastic question. And I will apologize for not bringing this up earlier because uh, the reality is we also have a very, very, part of our clinical package, we have a very, very strong um, attention to nutritional necessity, supplementation or otherwise. And that's not just to say that, look, we're willing to do this because we do do this. We provide med- uh, nutritional supplements, uh, standard vitamins and minerals, homeopathic products or otherwise to patients um, really inexpensively. We integrate that into your medication planner or your packaging. It makes no difference to us, however you'd like them. But we also provide a little bit of guidance as it pertains to the nutritional supplements that are most appropriate for patients because they take a specific drug. So to give an example, there's a, there's a supplement called Coenzyme Q10, and it's appropriate for patients who are taking a statin to consider using that. In other circumstances, patients who take different drugs would want to supplement with B vitamins. And we let patients know that. It's not a sales pitch per se, and we don't want it to come off that way. But we provide that information as part of the education and clinical interface. So one, absolutely, we can package your vitamins, your minerals, and your oral uh, nutritional supplements into the packaging. Number two, we can provide you guidance and clinical information if you require any kind of support that way or if it's a good idea. And number three, we'll provide you for the resource uh, or the re. Um, the, the resources to show you where we've got the information that way you make up your own mind, if that makes any sense, but sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Back to zoom. Okay. Uh, we have a phone number area code six, one, nine ending in six, eight, four. Yes. Hi, this is Virginia. I have a quick question and one very brief comment. I called accessible pharmacy and if you could just confirm that you're not available in California currently. And my comment is, uh, someone mentioned cost, and it is interesting that Medicare does cover um, a very expensive drug, Trulicity, that I'm taking, which is $800 a month. And relative to that, what I would really hope to get would be the uh, Freestyle Libre, which I think is significantly less and may have, you know, also a very big impact on my outcome. And so that, that's what I had to say. Well, um, I'll say two things. One, California is potentially the most difficult state to get licensed in. Um, we are working very hard to get licensed in California, um, but it's it's a bugaboo because it's so big and, and it's it's one of the most regulated states in the universe, but we're getting there. Um, your, your insurance program paying for the trulicities is a very important thing because for patients that need non-insulin injectables, um, those drugs have a profound, a profound effect on outcomes. In terms of the Freestyle Libre, it is less money than a Dexcom. And it's probably the more, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to take sides in this because they're both great products. Having said that, we've had more success getting Libres to patients um, and they interface with more devices. So if you're able to get those products right now and it's working fine for you, fantastic. Please call anyway because if there's anything we can do to support you we certainly will and the minute we get licensed in california we'll reach out to you and you know see if there's that we can do to help you better than what you're getting now if people are happy and they're doing well fantastic we're in support of you that way but there are resources and there are 
options that we have that just that, that aren't thought of because to be totally honest, we devise them with people like you in mind, with the education received from interfacing with you and getting to understand your challenges. So what if I go to my doctor and he prescribes like an embryonic because I'm sick? How will that be available, shipped out and in my mailbox the next day? We, we can do that for you. But to be very honest, if you needed something emergent like that, I would suggest you not wait. I would, I would, we would help you find a pharmacy local that may deliver to you if that's your challenge. But um, there, are, there are some, let me just put it this way. If you were, God forbid, diagnosed with COVID and you needed Paxlovid, we would try and find a pharmacy or you would want to get that immediately. Same thing with Tamiflu and most antibiotics. If you were diagnosed with Lyme disease and you were going to need three to four months of antibiotics that way, then we could certainly help you and we would do that for you either way. But when it comes to emergent necessity, what we don't want to do is put the fate of infection in the hands of UPS, FedEx, or a carrier. So we'll help you with that. We'll screen the drug for any interactions with the current file if you're, if you're utilizing us for standard distribution. But the one thing we don't want to do is come in the way of you getting better. So if you, God forbid, like I said, you had a deep, productive cough and your doctor said you have pneumonia in both your lungs, We'll find, a, we'll, we'll find you a pharmacy if you don't have one locally that'll deliver because it just doesn't make any sense to sort of wait for that. And even if we were to get to you the next day by six o'clock, between the time that you get diagnosed and that moment, there could be two to three dosages. And when it comes to antibiotics and infections, that first 24 hours is key, the most key. So that's just our thought on that kind of thing. If you needed a hair shampoo because you've got dry scalp, we'll get you that. There's no hurry for that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is that the most important thing to us is that you do well. And if there's a way for us to help you, we will, even if it means pointing you in a different direction, if that makes any sense. Back to Zoom. Okay. Uh, Kim, R-I-O-U-X, last call. Hello. Hello. Um, my situation is I, I'm on Medicare, but I also have a private insurer um, through the company my dad used to work for. But they will only give, give me $2,000 a year for men. And that lasts about half a year. Could I still use your pharmacy even though I might have to pay you directly for the medications? Uh, so as strangely as, you, as this is, we have had the circumstance once. We have patients that we would call, we have a limited retirement benefit or um, a legacy benefit as a result of military service or some kind of, um, you know, time put into like the railroad. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but there's some very interesting opportunities and cases out there where patients do have a a, a dual, um, I guess what I would call insurance circumstance. What we look at one of those and find the mechanism to provide you the drugs at the cheapest. So sometimes is that $2,000 for medications specifically not covered by Medicare or those that would have a, a huge impact on your but, okay. but we'll find a way and we'll make Oh, somebody talking. Uh, okay. Sure. Also, Kim, depending on your state, we often, we work with a lot of states. There are state funds available as well. Um, we may be able to help navigate that world as well. Okay. Yeah. I know I have too much money for Medicare. Glad, Eddie. 
you have too much money for Medicare? Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, um, uh, I can get her back if, um, no, that's okay. We'd encourage her to call, provide us with the information, do a little groundwork. Um, and we'll take a look at both programs to see exactly what the, I guess the best financial mechanism to, to approach her case is. Okay. You want some zoom or in the room? Another question in zoom. Okay. Uh, next is Sarah Hidalgo cook. Hi. Yes. Um, quick question. Um, are you licensed in Texas? I think we're, we're almost licensed in Texas. We have one more hurdle to clear, which is one of our pharmacists needs to retake the state exam. And this poor guy, Eric, who works for us, graduated pharmacy school 25 years ago and thought he was done. Um, we threw him in the deep end, and he's in the process of taking the exam to qualify in the state of Texas. By the way, okay. he's very, very, very close to that, that, Andy, just to keep you in the loop. Okay. So, so then my question would be, um, I have had, I'm low vision. And so I've had instances where my Libra sensor has stopped working maybe after a week or because I can't, uh, my, my visual perception, sometimes I, I'll nick it, nick my arm up against a door, a door jar or something. And it, and it comes off. And I've had trouble trying to get it replaced. Would y'all be able to help us with help me with that? A hundred percent. If that were the case, okay. Hundred um, percent. So I'll give you information, and I'll give you good news at the same time. Uh-huh. These systems are not perfect, and they know that they're not perfect. There is advancements coming. The second and third generations of both Libra Dex and probably every other company that's working on a continuous continual glucose monitoring device is going to get better. Um, you know, I, I'm saying this is a matter of opinion, not a matter of fact, but the technology was fantastic. The execution at the beginning wasn't perfect, but they know what they have and they, they're moving in the right direction. That's not Libre. That's all of them. So, but I, I applaud the people that brought these products to us because it did change a lot of things for the better. So we're in a little growing pain circumstance with them. In five years, it will be much different. Those pods are going to be teeny. Some of them are going to come with straps or some other kind of adhesive that, that keeps them on better. Um, I don't know anybody that's put on one of these pods or, or, or otherwise that hasn't bumped and knocked them off. There, and I live in a, I live in a rural there, area, so sometimes it's very hard to even get the Libra um, replaced or even get it for my usual you know, um, prescription. So. This um, is why, by managing your plat, your your profile, knowing you, the time when you you need things is is vital. It's vital because number one, it's it's the concierge event of this really is protected in terms of you running out. Number two, we've already made connectivity to your insurance companies, and we have that discussion, and they know that we're calling on your behalf based on your circumstance. And then the okay. third that we know how to get them to you and the timing. Um, but you, you never want to be without these things. You never want to put the last one on without the next one sitting there. Right. Okay, thank you. So are you open like 24 hours or what? No, we're not open 24 hours, but we're open every single day, is say four holidays a year. So um, 
on East Coast time, we're open nine till seven. Uh, we're open nine to five on Saturdays and nine to two on Sundays. Um, there, there, you know, there are call centers for emergent circumstances. If you leave a message, we'll get back to you shortly. But for the most part, we really haven't had any um, issues with the hours and being able to help people because we're, we're really, you know, we're very, very available in terms of the, the phone calls and c- contacting people. And then also in the communications via text, email, or otherwise, if there's something somebody wants that's not, that's just basic information or a resource or, or some other kind of like education. So um, all but four days a year, um, hours, you know, very, very convenient for most people. Hi, um, my question is um, nowadays, um, insulin the pumps and the continuous glucose monitors are um, bundled together as, um, I don't know what they're called now, but they're bundling them um, together as like a loop system. And right now the insulin um, pumps for the majority of us are not accessible. Um, neither is, well, I guess continue continuous glucose monitors are to a certain extent but not the the pdms or the um the managers that that go with it uh, how how is accessible pharmacy and um acbda trying to well we have to spread spread advocacy but i think most of it has to do with the the pharmacies and the manufacturers not knowing our our circumstances um how do we well advocate for durable, more accessible, durable medical equipment. Thank you. Very frank, the pump manufacturers have closed the distribution off. So if you have an insulin pump and your pump reads and reacts, or if your pump is reading at the same time, they've completely pulled that away from any supplier. So the pump manufacturers send medicines out directly. Uh, So I think in a bigger, broader picture, it would be a great thing for us to form a partnership with them. They've not been particularly receptive to that kind of thing at the moment. We can supply the insulin that goes into the pumps, obviously. Um, but having said that, how do we advocate? I, I, boy, it's a, it's a fantastic question. We just wear them out. That's how we do everything. We wear them out. We call them until they just respond. They have to understand it's a different population. And to be very honest, the little bit of extra that they can I guess what I would say, invest in time and the understanding of this pays off magnitudes, but really it breaks down to the payers. The payers dictate everything. So, you know, the pump manufacturers have maintained this sort of what I would call closed system, um, but you still need the insulin and that we can still get you. So I guess basically the bottom line is that you have to make communication, get people on record, find the person most responsible, and then, um, you know, find a way to wear them out. Best way to put it. This is Nancy. And I just, um, I think this is a really incredible program, especially since you can really coordinate um, the whole services and how timely the services are. I was just wondering how you fund this service because it's incredible. We beg everybody for lots of, no. Um, so we're building insurance company, basically, or, or the pay or Medicare on record. Um, we're funding the difference ourselves. So we're hoping that there comes a time when the powers that be through Medicare, Medicaid, the states or otherwise, see what we're doing in the 
necessity to invest a little bit more money because really the research end and the development of the technologies and that kind of thing, we're kind of doing ourselves. Um, we're not getting any money for it. We're just, you know, allowing the business to grow based on billing for the prescriptions, billing for the testing supplies or otherwise. And it kind of funds itself that way. Um, we're hoping to form partnerships with agencies or otherwise that would offer a go-between. There was a discussion earlier silver scripts program and what I may pay, the difference or otherwise, we don't want anybody to have to, um, I guess, suffer because of, of being with us. So, you know, I'm going to say this is a, a to be, you know, continued discussion because we're hoping to really reach into foundations and touch some other resources to fill the gaps between, um, you know, what is affordable for patients and what is possible. Thank you. Okay. So, so Andy and his team will be back on our Wednesday calls. ACBDA has a call once a month on the second Wednesday. So they'll be back. And we do have the third and fourth, the third Saturday and the fourth Monday, we do have our casual chats. This is all on the, on the community schedule. If you don't get the community schedule, send an email to community at ACB. Dot .org and just a little plug for ACB Diabetics in Action our website where you can pay dues and hear all about the officers and hear all about us is acbda.org and if you're interested like in wanting to know more information you can send an email and it will go to our treasurer and I believe our president it will be acbda org at gmail.com and just a little side note we do have t-shirts we have two t-shirts the sugar warrior t-shirts they're bright yellow shirts they have a pocket on the left side that says acb diabetics in action on the back it says sugar warriors on the back it also has like a triangle size thing of ice cubes with a fist punching it down and says with like ice cubes, broken ice cubes all over and says knuckling down on diabetes. So um, the next session we have in here at four o'clock is peer mentor relations. And I want to see if Andy, Jason or Alex has any closing remarks and then we can get the closing oh. Um, code. I noticed that we, there is one more hand. There raised. is a hand raised in Zoom. If you want to take it, uh, one more hand, and then that's all. Hi, this is Marianne. Oh, Marianne, Marianne. Okay. Hello, yes. <laughs> I um, just wanted to say, um, just wanted to say one thing. Um, I work. I'm a business development specialist in Florida for Accessible Pharmacy Services, and I just. I have a meeting every week. We have a uh, weekly sales meeting and I listen to this team really pitch um, what they can um, to help patients there, whether it's webinars or new packaging methods or new labeling methods. I just, I, I just have to tell you that they're, they really, really care. It's not just work for them. It's not just the company. Um, and I'm not being paid to say this. <laughs> so I just wanted to say that, you know, when you get involved with them, they really care and they they have just gone um, above and beyond what anybody would have expected from a company like this to assist patients. And that's what I had to say. Oh, thank you, Marianne. You're welcome. And for those who know Marianne, she's from Pennsylvania. We met her through the Pennsylvania Council for the Blind. 
but she left us and now she's in Florida. So, uh, but thank you, Marianne. That was awesome. And Marianne, um, good move to me. <laughs> so I, I do want to add a few quick things. Uh, so Diana, if it's okay. Um, we, we actually ran a really robust webinar last December that focused on diabetes management and blindness. And we had some incredibly dynamic speakers. We had, uh, an ophthalmologist from University of Pittsburgh's healthcare system speaking about diabetic retinopathy. We had a woman from uh, who's the community outreach director from uh, the American Diabetes Association who actually has diabetic retinopathy herself, who spoke about, spoke about resources that the ADA has, the ADA being the American Diabetes Association, has for uh, diabetics uh, who may be blind or have low vision. Uh, we had people speaking about nutrition. We had speak- people speaking about just tips and strategies related to diabetes management. Um, so uh, the punchline to this long-winded story is, if you go to our website, we have the recordings of each of those sessions on there um, in the events section. So if anyone wants to listen to some of those recordings, they're all there. And there are also some links um, that are maybe relevant as well. We are going to be running another diabetes webinar at some point in September. We haven't nailed down the date yet, but um, we'll share that information with Tom and Danette, so that they can share it with you as well. Um, and finally, just a quick you know, story, something we're very proud of. Um, last week, we were awarded, the Helen Keller National Center awarded us their Accessibility Award uh, for 2022. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So we're very excited about it, proud of it. For those of you who aren't familiar with Helen Keller Services and Helen Keller National Center, um, it's the national organization that works with individuals with dual sensory loss. Uh, individuals who are deaf and blind. And it's interesting. Uh, I won't go too deep into, I'm not, obviously not going to share the individual's name, but um, one of the things that sort of like uh, alerted them to the work that we're doing in this community is we have an individual um, who is completely deaf and completely blind. He is diabetic. He is does not have access to the internet, does not have a smartphone. Um, is not able to read Braille. In fact, he's actually partially illiterate. Um, and English is not his first language. Um, his wife is the primary communicator to him who helps him manage his diabetes. Um, she is uh, deaf herself um, and also illiterate. Um, he is insulin dependent. Um, Helen Keller National Center was hoping to get him from his home location to their national facility so that he could live there for a month or so and learn independent living skills. The challenge was that his glucose was so erratic, they couldn't even get him on a plane for a few hours to fly him to the national center. Um, We had an opportunity to jump in and try to help this individual and figure out, it was like all hands on deck on our part. Like, huh? Like it couldn't have been more of a challenging scenario, but I'm sharing this story with you because um, while there's, it's still a work in progress, we were able to work with him to get him a continuous glucose monitoring system and train him and his wife to get to a point where they could stabilize his glucose enough to get him on a plane to their national center, which is in Long Island, New York. And I'm sharing this with you because we, we can't solve everything. But when, when someone comes to us with a problem, um, we, we, we try. 
And uh, as Alex mentioned earlier on, like accessibility is a work in progress. It's not like, oh, we're accessible. We're accessible pharmacy. We can do this. Um, it's a work in progress. And so by contacting us, um, we learn as much from our patients as our patients learn from us. So as we approach challenges and we bump into unique situations, it affords us the ability to learn and it affords us the ability to take that solution and plug it into another patient experience who um, may have a similar challenge. And so we invite you all to contact us, try us. You know, uh, we can't guarantee success, but uh, we embrace the challenge. Um, and once again, we're grateful that Helen Keller National Center uh, acknowledged our efforts and uh, we're grateful for the award. Um, so that being said, I'm going to stop talking. Uh, if there are any other last minute questions, please let us know. If anyone wants to contact us, our website's accessiblepharmacy.com. Um, you can, e- if you have another question that you weren't comfortable sharing here, please email us at info at accessiblepharmacy.com. Uh, we'll gladly, uh, you know, pair you up with the right person and get back to you with an answer. You can also contact us through the Be My Eyes app and specialized help. Um, if you are a dual sensory loss patient, you can uh, email us. Uh, we are also very comfortable interacting with patients using VRS. Um, for those who aren't familiar, it's uh, essentially on-demand sign language interpreters. Um, so we can help navigate a patient uh, through the process that way as well. Perfect. Thank you, Andy, Jason, and Alex. Great presentation and congratulations again. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Thank you. Wonderful to be here.